lovelies, and welcome to this episode of Bitch Prince. Bitch Prince is a self-care podcast for career-driven women, whether you have a cubicle in corporate land or whether you have your own studio or if you work from home like I do. It is very important to make sure you are practicing self-care so you can put your best foot forward in this world and also be able to laugh a little bit about this crazy-ass world, and that's what I'm here for, to make sure that you're checking in with yourself each week and providing yourself with self-care between being a total workaholic, potentially. Thanksgiving is rolling up. Holy shit this year. I cannot believe it's Thanksgiving. If you are like me, you are not traveling to see family this year, which is really, really difficult. I miss my mom and my brother, the three musketeers as we call ourselves, very much. So I know a lot of people are feeling that hurt. I feel like I'm crying constantly, not like I'm super, super sad or anything, but just everything is making me emotional, like the dumbest songs or commercials or movie moments. I'm just like tearing up like... I miss my mom and brother and my husband's just like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hold you for a second. And I'm like, I'm not like sad, sad. I'm just, I'm just missing them sad. Like I'm okay, but I'm just like, I'm gonna cry for at least another 15 minutes. <laughs> so I know I'm sure other people are feeling that too. And I just have to say, let it out. If you feel like crying and letting those emotions out, just do it. They're not harmful if anything. They're healing and it feels good. Maybe I'm one of those weird people that do uh, like crying sometimes, I think it's therapeutic and it can feel like a really great release. But I mean, rule 101, if you're feeling emotions, feel them. So definitely try to keep your head above water and don't let too much depression and anxiety flood you. But recognize that sometimes you just miss people and you just need to cry. Like there's also just normal level of sadness. And if you're feeling normal sad, it doesn't always have to be your depression or something like that. It could just be you miss people and you're crying because of an actual situation, which I know people like myself sometimes are confused because we're used to just being sad for no reason. We just are. <laughs> and so, yay, depression. Shout out Lexapro. But sometimes you just feel like standard average human emotions and that's what's going to happen right now. So just let yourself feel them. I do feel thankful that I work from home because in random middle moments of the day, if some song comes on that makes me miss my family at Thanksgiving time, I can just tear up about it for a second and no one sees. <laughs> I realize it's a lot harder if you work in an office around people right now, but hopefully you're wearing a mask and so maybe no one will be able to tell you're crying because they can't see over half of your face. So that might be that might be a plus. You can tear up a little, wipe it away. No one will see your red stuffy nose. So it'll check out. Like even your cheeks are covered. So if you get flushed like I do when you cry, no one will know. Makes crying in the bathroom at work easier. Holy shit. <laughs> no, I hope you are not crying at work. Please, no. I know everyone probably does from time to time, but if you're doing it weekly, uh, find a new job. <laughs> Please. I've been there, done that, shouldn't have done that. Hello, get a new job. With Thanksgiving time, I know that everyone always likes to joke about, oh, all the conversations that we're going to have with our family and the political climate and those awkward kinds of conversations and fights and anger and those people in your family that you wish you didn't have to associate with that you know they're going to say some dumbass shit or something super racist or evil. <laughs> but some of us might not have to see our family this year because we are isolating, we're not traveling, and we're not going to gather, which is what I hope most of you are doing. 
So my only thing that can even possibly reach out as a positive is maybe some of those conversations won't have to happen this year and you don't have to be put in those situations because you're not going to Thanksgiving dinner. And that's the only positive thing I can really think about because in reality, I'm just definitely fucking sad that I can't be with my family for Thanksgiving. I know everyone is like so obsessed with Christmas and don't get me wrong, I love Christmas as well, but I guess maybe with my family there's some good and bad with like some Christmas stuff um, and memories and weirdness. It was a holiday that my dad liked and hated at the same time and it, so it was like really good but also really weird with his emotions. And so for me, Thanksgiving was like always happy. And when I was young, we used to have host Thanksgiving at the house I grew up in. And so we would have like 50 people in our home and all my cousins were over. And even though I'm not crazy close to any of my cousins, we still like had a good time. I have so many memories of like playing in the basement and weird things happening, just like stupid games and stuff like that. And I, you know, those memories are in the home that I grew up in. And I, of course, love Halloween. I'm just, I'm not a huge Christmas person like the majority is. I love watching the movies, having some hot chocolate and whiskey and glamming it up with some red lipstick, T-Swift style. But for me, Thanksgiving is really when I'd prefer to gather. You usually get more days off because you always have two days off, whereas like Christmas, it depends. And a lot of the Christmas stuff is usually happening like the little Christmas markets. Of course, that's not happening this year. <laughs> They're closing those down, rightfully so. I'm going to make my own mulled wine. Mm, yes, yes. I just need a boot now to drink it out of. Mm. I digress, sorry. Memory lane. <laughs> but for me, I, I love Thanksgiving. And so it is hard to not be around my family for those moments because it feels super festive because it's still fall feeling, which is my favorite season. But then you still kind of get those like, inching vibes of Christmas and the food is always freaking delicious. You know what you're going to eat. I do realize the meaning behind Thanksgiving <laughs> and obviously a lot of people listening might right now might be sitting here like, fuck Thanksgiving. Uh, you live on stolen land and fuck Christopher Columbus and hey, yeah, no, you are right. I am definitely not going to say how much I love Thanksgiving without recognizing that it's a BS holiday. So I know that it's a holiday that's going to last in America for forever. It's just reality. And it has transformed more into just a holiday family gathering to have like a giant fucking meal that's basically like the meals that people from the UK have, like a Sunday roast every single Sunday. <laughs> but we just do it once a year because we're lazy. And it's transformed more just really into that I think, unless you maybe have kids that do like pilgrimy Indian stuff. Like I know that when I was young, there was like always, there's like something we always had to like dress up and sing songs. I don't know. But it's good because it's not like, yeah, Thanksgiving, we were so nice to the Indians. Like we know we fucking weren't. <laughs> and we're not saying like, yeah, everyone gathered safely and it was a wonderful experience. Like we know that, but saying like, well, I just love Thanksgiving because I want to gather with my family and things like that. And that is how I feel. It is still, you know, you still have to recognize where Thanksgiving comes from and realize that, you know, it's fine if you want to enjoy Thanksgiving. I, I would enjoy it if I was with my family too. 
but we also can't just skate over like, oh, well, I don't see it that way. I just, I just see it as a fun family gathering because really, I mean, what it, you have to still take history into context and what it is, is the pilgrims and Indians eating food while, during, or before we were raping and pillaging and stealing their land. So you still have to recognize it. Even if, you know, it's it's good that we're re- starting to notice, yeah, it's bad. I'm not literally going to be celebrating this, but also you can't pretend like that's not also what it was originally celebrated as. You know, still gotta put a note in that. So maybe this Thanksgiving, you can find a way to maybe donate to a reservation or something like that. Read some type of book written by an indigenous person. Maybe try some kind of different uh, craft that is from an indigenous tribe or culture just to kind of try it out and learn a little bit more. I definitely love doing that, especially back in the time of vacations. I love, you know, most people will taste the foods and, you know, see the places, but I like to get into the culture a little bit deeper. I've always liked the day-to-day. Like in social studies, I always freaking hated talking about the movements of people and then this war and then that. It just never interested me. I don't care where people migrated. (laughs) I love learning about like the day-to-day of how people lived. What did they wear? How did they cook? What did they use to cook? Like was it over an open flame? What was their ceremonial garb or things that they created for celebration or different celebratory events? Were they really good at knitting or beading? Or, you know, I I just, I love those kinds of things and really learning about a culture that way. So maybe on Thanksgiving, taking that time since you won't be with your family, or if you are with your family and need something to turn attention away from awkward conversations in this horrible political climate, (laughs) try out a craft. I know that in the 90s, there was a lot of cultural appropriation of feathers and beaded bracelets. Uh, So maybe just go look that up and look up some of the designs and realize where you went wrong and create a beaded bracelet uh, and celebrate, you know, but also donate things if you can, you know, this is a great time to show your appreciation for the culture that we destroyed. Anyway, we didn't totally destroy it. It is still alive today. Uh, obviously we murdered a lot of people, but that is my point of go out, find the people that are still living this culture and trying to celebrate it and show, no, we, this is still our traditions, learn more about it, support it, donate to it because the world is God, it's so much better and more interesting when there are different people. I will never understand how people fear so much differences. Like, God, how boring would the world be if we weren't? different. I don't understand how we live in a world where like every white person is obsessed with Anthony Bourdain, but like you don't actually want to go be Anthony Bourdain. You'd be like afraid and racist and evil to everyone you met. Like we white people suck at actually immersing in real cultural things and being respectful. And that's coming from me as someone who loves doing that. I try my hardest to, you know, do my best to support those actual cultures and really truly learn about them but I'm gonna fuck up too everyone is like that's you know that's why we continue to learn and read and grow so grow this Thanksgiving (laughs) with our Thanksgiving since we are not traveling we haven't done anything this whole year well we went to Flagstaff and stayed and did Flagstaff stuff in Arizona 
in February, right before all everything shut down in March. So we haven't done anything since February. And mama needs a little break. She needs a little change of scenery, okay? <laughs> so we are getting a safe Airbnb that's kind of not in the middle of nowhere, but sort of in Tucson, Arizona, which is south of us. And it's super pretty and quiet. It's a little cooler down there. Phoenix is like the central hottest area of Arizona. North and south is a little cooler. We're taking the dog. It's a dog-friendly place. And we're just going to stay isolated in a little Airbnb. So think of it like cabins stays that everyone's like in the Midwest especially is used to. But we're just going to a cute little desert house instead. And... I am going to make like mini chicken pot pies and we've got stuff for chili and I still have this Victoria sponge cake ingredients that I haven't made yet that I'll probably do. But I am usually the one I love hosting. I love tradition and probably why I love being Jewish. And I love dressing up and like having this beautiful presented meal. If you ever check out my Pinterest, I have a whole board on like table settings. I love table settings. I think it is an art form. Obviously cooking is an art form and making a meal and timing it all. But I also just think like setting the table and that atmosphere can be such an art form as well. And I love it so much. So normally, even though we aren't seeing friends and family, we usually will do for holidays some kind of big uh, FaceTime thing with my family and I'll have everything fully set up. Like even, you know, for Passover this year, we still got dressed up. We used my great-grandmother's linens and my other great-grandmother's china from Germany and set up, you know, the full Passover Seder plate, Seder meal, Elijah's cup, candles, yada, yada. But for Thanksgiving, you know, it's not as like magically traditional. Really, the only traditional thing about it is that you eat turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing. But we kind of decided, or I should really say that my husband decided, like, fuck it. Why would we make a giant turkey and all this food that we're really not going to eat and we're not even doing like a huge FaceTime thing with your family? We're traveling. We don't want to carry all that stuff. Like the crockpot stuff's easy, but why Why would we really do that this year? Why don't we take a break? And <laughs> bless him. I definitely need my husband sometimes to remind me that I don't need to put on like the dog and pony show and, you know, bring out all of my bells and whistles. And I was like, you're right. I We don't need to fucking do that. <laughs> so we have treats that we're going to make all weekend that are very cozy. But for Thanksgiving this year... We are actually going to just uh, get a KFC family meal. We're going to get some fried chicken and mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. Because I was like, I just want to make sure, I just want some mashed potatoes. I have to have good, some mashed potatoes. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to get a KFC family meal for Thanksgiving. Classy. But we'll have a lot of cute little foods throughout the weekend because I can't help myself. <laughs> but with our time off with Thanksgiving means that especially if we're not visiting family or if we are visiting family and we're trying to escape them we have a lot of extra time you have at least two days off if you know you work in corporate land and things are closed so how do we use this time to both rest and relax but maybe grow a little and not get too fucking bored and not just sit in front of a tv for four days straight because we are reaching the end of the year and it has been important this year in 2020 to not 
shame yourself for needing that extra time and not being productive at all. But since we have four days, my thing is let's at least try to not just watch TV for the next four days. There's really no movies that you need to watch till December holidays. You don't need to watch the Christmas movies quite yet. They can wait. And once the parade ends, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So in order to kind of get away from the TV and still relax, but maybe actually, you know, take on some goodness, I want to talk about my favorite form of self-care when I'm not totally burnt out and can't even keep my eyes straight, and that's reading. It's reading. I'm, I know I've given shout outs to different books or people that promote books on this podcast, but we really haven't talked about reading. And it is one of the most beneficial forms of self-care, especially for someone who's career-driven because there's so many different types of things you can read to either totally release your brain or to learn more. It's both escapism and it's gaining knowledge or helping you with a trade or a skill. I mean, reading is just, I love it. And if you're a bookworm like me, I don't need to be rattling on explaining myself. And if you hate reading, let me just urge you that you just haven't found the right thing for you. There's so many different types of books for you to read that will solve so many issues. And it's almost a form of meditation because you really do go into your head and enter this whole new space and forget your surroundings. So obviously it takes a little bit more brain power than meditation. You're not 100% releasing, you know, you are focusing and reading and trust me, there's plenty of nights where I'm like, I'm going to read tonight. And then it gets to be like 9 PM and I'm just like, I can't, no, I, I want to like be immersed in a world, but I just can't bring myself to even like soak in and comprehend words on a page. <laughs> Been there. But I want to talk a little bit about what you guys read. And if you want to find me on Instagram, it's at Mallory, M-A-L-L-O-R-Y dot B-L-A-Y-N-E. And let me know what you're reading. I had someone actually, you know, so many gift exchanges are going around right now. And I had an old college friend, a person that even though we're not as close, I do consider one of my friend soulmates for sure. Life changing friendship. Um, definitely one of those special connections. And she posted, instead of a gift exchange, it was a book exchange. And normally I feel like those don't work, but it was on Instagram stories and it just, the way it functioned was just awesome. I was like, I'm doing this. And I just love the idea of people trading books. I love the idea of friends reading books together. Sometimes it's really hard though, to do some kind of book club or something like that because life happens and shit gets in the way. And a lot of times, like, you don't want to read that book. You want to read the book. Like, if you're going to read, especially if you're not normally a reader, it's not going to push you to read more if you have to read what other people suggest. So <laughs> you need to find what you like. I, I think sometimes it's enough to just do something you like and not have to have it be so formal or official like a book club either. You know, you got to pick the space that works for you. So when it comes to reading, I really liked this exchange and giving each other books because then you could learn about a book someone else liked because they'd send it to you and you'd get this own little treasure. And I really do think of books as 
treasures, kind of how people see like, you know, the windows in New York City contain all these little different apartments, different worlds that people are living in. And that's like a book to me. It is like a little treasure box. And when I really like a book, it just, it honestly does feel like it contains all these tiny little pieces and, and imagery and each book it just contains all these lives and feelings and themes and stories and I just love that idea of a physical book and so sharing one of your favorite books along with someone might help them discover a different genre they never knew they liked a different author you know they might get a book that they never knew they needed in their life and then if you want to read it, awesome. If you don't, I mean, you know, you don't have to if the book really turns you off that you receive. But I just thought it was just thought of people basically passing around and sending their own little treasure boxes. Not like a time capsule, but I don't know, kind of. And it just, I don't know, it's, it's special. I know people think that way a lot of with music that certain songs or albums like are really meaningful to them because it evoked something in them or it really defines a time in their life or part of their personality. And books are definitely like that too, sometimes even more so since they're obviously so long and have so many different characters. But I really, really liked that idea. So I did participate in that. If you are just now following me on Instagram, and again, it's at Mallory.Blaine, and you want to participate, it's not in my stories anymore, but just DM me and I'll still send you the information because you can just keep passing it along and it's it's really cool. So definitely let me know if you want to join. And I know that my initial thoughts always like, I don't want to pick my favorite book and then have to like mail it myself. You don't have to go to like an online local bookstore and just have the shipping address be to the person it's supposed to go to. It's that easy. Find a book for 10 bucks or less. The book I sent was a novella of short stories and so it was like nine dollars do it do it <laughs> but as we have time off this thanksgiving i want to talk about more about what you read and how to read for self-care now obviously people read in different ways my best friend loves books on tape i got turned off of books on tape only because the first time i tried to do it on a long drive to atlanta with my mom we were listening to the help and I love that book, but I ended up reading it on my own because the narrator was just creating these way too themed accents and it was just like literally giving us headaches. It was like, oh my God, please stop. Just like use a calm voice and read the book. Like I don't need you to totally act this out. I can handle the characterization. Thank you. <laughs> Let me just please read this in a calm voice, not character voice. But my friend loves books on tape. A lot of people love reading from their Kindle. For me, I, I just love physical books. And I know my husband has had to learn to love that. I am someone that collects and collects and collects. So I've been getting better at donating books or kind of sending them off, um, letting other people read them or keep them, and only keeping ones that really, really mean something to me because I just love physical books. And I don't, I'm not great at the library thing because sometimes I read a book in two seconds and sometimes it takes me a while. And then I have this book I have to keep renewing and it stresses me out. So yeah, I, I do buy a lot of physical books and I know my husband's always like, another one? Like, don't you have enough? And I'm like, there's no, there's no, there's literally no such thing as enough books. You've never read enough books. There's li just literally is not a statement that exists to me. And <laughs> every single book is different. It's, you just, there's not, that's not real. 
So he's definitely had to get used to that, but he has gotten used to that. But it was pretty cute trying to teach him. But we compromised. I don't keep like every single book and I make sure to donate because I want to share books with the world. And a lot of people who really don't like books, you might just really read the news more. That's kind of what my husband does. He just has news apps or certain websites that he'd prefer to just read, read, read the news all the time. And other people really just like the storytelling medium through podcasts, you know, very similar to audiobooks. They still tell those kinds of stories. So I definitely just say everyone take a moment and just think about how you like to read. Do you prefer just having it on your device like a Kindle so that you can just take it wherever? It doesn't matter how many books. It always the same because it's all on a Kindle. Do you prefer the audio version? And when I say that, I mean, do you actually pay attention and not just space out? Because <laughs> I've done that before. Do you actually just prefer listening, whether it's a podcast or an audiobook? Do you like the physical book like I do of feeling it? in your hands and feeling that little treasure box between your fingers or do you really not normally like books at all and that's okay you don't have to read certain stories um, in book form to enjoy stories you might like podcasts or news apps so think of how you like to read first in a way that doesn't stress you out for me the news sometimes stresses me out and I need more escapism than that so think about how you like to read so that you can prepare for Thanksgiving weekend and whenever you think of books you might want to read during the rest of this podcast episode, you can figure out, all right, I need to order that real quick or I need to get that on my Kindle or I need to download this news app or download this podcast so even if I don't have service, it'll play, etc., etc. Now, what exactly do you read? Do you prefer just reading news articles? You're not really a huge book person. Do you prefer poetry? Do you prefer fiction or nonfiction? Do you like long books or do you prefer novellas or short stories? There's so many different types of books or ways or types of formats of books that you can read. News articles are great. If you're someone that can read the news without getting super depressed and you really dive deep into the news, like you don't just read the headlines, like you love reading either stuff about your community or you like getting really, really into something in the news, whether it's politics or something like that, where you're that person that just seriously should be on like a debate team or something, you know, that's still really awesome. That can still be a hobby. I know that for me, I like fiction the best. I just love fantasy. A lot of people absolutely love biographies and like nonfiction because they're real stories and there are some things that I do love that are you know more historical but I'm more of a person that loves like watching a movie and realizing that that movie is about a real person and then going and like looking up all the history about them I love doing that like that's fascinating to me but sometimes like biographies and autobiographies they do bore me sometimes a, a little bit. It's just not necessarily my thing. I don't love that format of writing. I was a journalism major and magazine journalism more specifically. So I definitely got taught to create stories around people and they were never usually like linear stories. The theme wasn't like about the person's life. The theme would be about some kind of 
event or specific thing and how that person like handled it and their emotions and the scenery around it. And so I think that's why like I love seeing a person portrayed on screen and then like doing my research and seeing like, oh my gosh, did the costumes match? Did their facial hair match? What did they actually go here and can I visit it? I like things like that and putting historical context to things, but when it's just a straightforward like here's my life, even if it's the most interesting story from like basically beginning to end or from, you know, this month to this month in this linear order, I it's just it's not totally my thing. Books I do love that are mostly nonfiction are very much in the magazine journalism style. So like Joan Didion, for instance, everything she's kind of doing is reporting on what she sees around or reporting about like I think the year of magical thinking is like about her first years as a mother, but it just goes deeper than that. It's not just like, it's not a normal biography. I really am not eloquently explaining this, but anyone who has read those books will understand what I'm saying, I hope. Or like, I love the book Devil in the White City because it's about the world uh, the World's Fair, and it's about an architect who helped build it, and it's about H.H. Holmes, which, hey, true crime nerd over here. So it's like three, I guess technically two and a half if you want to count the World's Fair and the architect as one, biographies, but it is storytelling. So it's still like, you know, it's like those movies when it's like based on a true story. I like the based on a true story book, so they're still kind of fiction. <laughs> But then you can go look up some more of the history, and I like doing that kind of reporting and investigation and historical learning and providing that context on my own more than I just like reading a straight-up nonfiction biography. I still like the element of the story and I don't want to say making it up, but you just you think more about the scenery and you know how what someone might go through or what conversation they might have had could apply to the time and sometimes I just think you know when you do make up certain things there's just there's that artistry to it of really trying to make sure it's correct like I recently went to an Adobe conference virtually and one woman that spoke creates all like the documents for historical video uh, movies and it was fascinating to see how she creates these documents and it's kind of like that that the books that are still fiction even though they are related to real people and real events, it allows for that creativity level where you're trying to make it perfect and accurate to the time uh, in history, but then it's still a lot of it storytelling and it makes it a little more magical than a straight up biography. And then again, it's fun for me. I like looking up the history on my own and, and fact checking the shit out of it. <laughs> so that's just my opinion. But some people really like the concrete, real, nonfiction biographies or autobiographies. I did recently read Lily Allen's. For those who doesn't, don't know who she is, for some crazy reason, she is an amazing British pop star. And she went through a lot and she did kind of do a, an autobiography um, up to a certain point in her life and I really did love that one but it's also because I was really invested in the person if I'm I'm not invested in the person it sometimes it's hard for me to just get into their life without that magical storytelling fiction element but that's just me but see if you like fiction or nonfiction. that's like a really really good place to start 
And you might say, okay, how does this matter and how does this apply to self-care? It does because reading is, of course, a moment of self-care because it allows you to create that false world and put your mind somewhere else. It's escapism, it's meditation, and you literally learn and grow your mind as you read pretty much no matter what you read. And it gets your mind jogging and relaxes you at the same time. And you get all these beautiful visual elements without having to stare at a screen. It truly is body, mind, and soul. Well, maybe not body. Mind and soul. (laughs) Self-care. To just escape from the world, escape from everything in front of you, whether it's work or people or situations or political climates. It's Books are just so powerful and it is a form of self-care and downtime and resting your mind and recharging your mind while also fueling it and providing you with that moment to say, no, this is me time. I need silence. I need me time with this book. And it's beautiful to create that me time space with a book. But I always say kind of start with fiction or nonfiction and decide which one is your favorite because it's 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 hard to practice self-care with reading if you don't really know what you like to read. And I want you to enjoy what you're reading. So figure out, do you like more storytelling and maybe more fantasy or do you like no I just want honest truth these made-up stories don't always interest me figure that out first I know for me when I really need to escape but my brain doesn't really feel like biting off a book at the moment I do turn to poetry a lot and some of you might be like fuck yes and some of you might be thinking oh my god no what do you mean poetry is so difficult and makes me think more. It always depends on what poetry you're reading, but I do kind of like modern poetry for that reason that has to do more with nature and things like that because it's easier for me to sometimes just grasp without really trying to find this like super, super, super deep meaning. And, you know, a lot of times if you want to go back, I like poets, which maybe this makes me basic, I don't know, like Edgar Allan Poe because it is just, uh, his poetry is literally storytelling. And it's just, they're they're like short stories, but they're poetry. It's just, oh, it's fantastic. And I just love the imagery. And so sometimes when I'm like, okay, I really want to read, but I don't want to like think so much in the sense that I don't want to read a hundred pages and have to remember this character's name and this character's relation to another character and what's going on in the plot. I really don't want to have to remember anything right now. That's where I lean to poetry because you literally just get to soak up a poem and let it like enter and you feel that poem and then you move on to the next poem and get to a new feeling. It's, I guess it's kind of like that instant gratification. So if anyone says instant gratification never existed until social media, false poetry. (laughs) But I like that instant gratification and I like that I can feel these amazing feelings and see these amazing scenes within the course of like you know one page it's amazing or like a couple hundred words it's so cool and it's really great when I want to read and I want to get on a certain level in my mind that is more meditative but then I just I do want to feel more of a release because of course when you're reading a book you don't really get the full release until you finish the book And with poetry, you can just read little snippets of poems and feel that release of like, oh, I completed this and I felt this whole 
realm of a world and emotion and I got to a beginning and an end. And so it feels really good to get that gratification and get that type of feeling within, you know, a couple minutes or, you know, even 10, 15 minutes for one poem instead of spending, you know, 10 hours with a book. So even if you're afraid of poetry, I recommend checking out some modern day poetry then because the reality is a lot of older poetry might be scary just because their language was different. It just was how they came across ideas and put forth ideas and how they wrote. It was different. And just because you don't love that poetry doesn't make you lesser of a poetry lover. If you want to be able to read poetry that is written in the modern day that has more of kind of our style of languages, more modern day that it doesn't take you a second to really try to understand how they organize the words, fine. It doesn't make you less of a poet or less of a poet lover. I love modern day poetry. I love the rawness of it. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I just need that romanticism of some older, oh, especially Victorian poetry. But a lot of times I'm like, no, I really just, I want to feel my feelings. And a lot of times it's easier to do that when you're reading them from your time period because of the language and because of we're all going through similar things. You know, it's it's relative. Obviously our way of life is a lot different than Emily Dickinson's. So take that into account and also try to look up some poets from like the 60s and 70s because I feel like those get very lost because a lot of times those aren't poets we learn about in school. We learn more about the classics and poetry in the 60s and 70s is fantastic. I literally recently just started picking up Mary Oliver and she does have a lot of that nature poetry and she passed away a little while ago, but she was really famous in the 60s and 70s and my therapist told me about her and oh, just great. Like so when I want to escape and feel like I'm in nature, but I just really want to be in bed, but I want to still feel like I'm in nature and get that inspiration. You know, when you're sitting outside at a cabin with coffee and leaves around you and you see animals fluttering and you want to get some inspiration, that's like what her poetry is. And it's just beautiful and I love it. And so take a look at, you know, different time periods and figure out what poetry you like, because it does provide that instant gratification of learning and experiencing emotions and small stories and getting that beginning to end. Did y'all just hear my dog bark right then? <laughs> That's Willow Bear, my lovely German Shepherd. I'm not cutting that out because she's cute and she just wanted to say hello. With books as well, reading for self-care, it doesn't have to be about reading actual self-help books, in case you didn't pick that up already. It's about storytelling. You don't have to read a self-help book to be reading for self-care. I really do find the most healing and introspective moments or meditation to notice my surroundings when I personally read poetry. If you want to check out some other types of books as well and you want to lean more into novels or novellas, there's just so many you can reach for that aren't self-care books, that aren't some type of book that maybe is just like a straightforward biography, although biographies do provide you with, you know, a lot of knowledge and historical 
information and you really are learning about a literal human and a life and therefore lives around them in that time period and chances are something significant happening in the world if they're writing a biography they must have been important in some form whether it was in politics or in the movie industry or architecture or pop culture you know obviously they're important if they think you want to learn about their life so <laughs> and we do learn best from learning from other people and my one of my favorite quotes that I've probably said on this podcast before forgive me for repetition is a smart man learns from his mistakes and a wise man learns from the mistakes of others so learn from the mistakes of others with a book <laughs> be a wise man and practice self-care sorry a wise woman man whatever you refer to yourself as be a wise person and Practice self-care by gaining knowledge from books and enriching your life, practicing that meditation, but also being able to learn things about life and prevent mistakes or heal through other people's life experiences. When I am reading a longer book, my favorite is escapism. I, I will use my poetry for more of those introspective moments to get that internal time with myself when I really just know that, man, I, I just want to feel right now. I just want to come away with this, having some kind of emotion rendered inside me, some kind of new conclusion or mantra, poetry. But when I need escapism, that's when I lean towards sci-fi and fantasy. And not everyone likes sci-fi and fantasy, but oh, the escapism is just absolutely wonderful. And you would honestly be surprised what is considered sci-fi and fantasy because you might just be thinking it's either Harry Potter fans or some kind of Lord of the Rings world or craziness with dragons. And I mean, yes, that counts and they're amazing. But a lot of times for me, I love horror. And so a lot of times my sci-fi as horror novels, I love Stephen King and, you know, he is considered like horror and sometimes sci-fi depending on the book. Um, and obviously, you know, it is still a fantasy that when he's creating, you know, certain supernatural characters. So anything supernatural is considered in that realm. And then even one of my favorite authors, my friend and I both, is Margaret Atwood. And if you aren't a huge reader, you might know her from Handmaid's Tale, which was a book first. <laughs> but that is still considered like in the sci-fi fantasy world because it is still fiction. And even though she did base her ideas off of real events that happen around the world, which is one of the reasons why it was so powerful is that she didn't make anything up or make up these horrible scenarios. She researched all these different types of things that happen in all over the world and then actually applied it into one story and built a horrible society around that. <laughs> so super fascinating, but that still kind of counts. And so when you think of escapism, it's that element of storytelling and that it's talking about something that didn't actually happen, hence fiction, false, but that maybe could happen or that we wish could happen. It's creating a totally different world. And I love the sci-fi fantasy world when it comes to fiction. Obviously, fiction spans way more than sci-fi fantasy because it's literally any made up world or story that's not a true story even if it has truth to it. So, so many different kinds of content applies to fiction. 
But I personally just love that sci-fi fantasy a little bit more because I think it triggers more frightening emotions. I know that a lot of times people want to read more happy things, but for me, I feel like I get the most out of my escapism when it's a world I couldn't think of myself because that world doesn't exist because it is science fiction or fantasy or that plays on my fears a little bit with supernatural aspects and that's the, my favorite form of escapism. But yours might be like a more romantic type novel or something like that or even um, a lot of things that where you can tie in that kind of knowledge gaining and escapism with fiction are some of my favorite books. I might say his name wrong by Alain de Bonton, I believe is how he says his name. Um, probably more nasally than I just did it. Alain, Alain de Bonton. Sorry if I butchered it. I did say French, I swear. Um, because they are fictional stories but they really do teach you about life and living and f love and emotions and relationships and there's just so much learning and knowledge you can gain through reading any type of fiction book whether it is fantasy or whether it is something that's supposed to take place in the time now in realistic times because you'll you'll learn and you'll grow my favorite Alain de Bolton book is The Course of Love it is absolutely beautiful and fantastic and if you want to read a book that makes you really think of how you address love and your relationships that you considered love relationships, it's just, the novel is written fantastically, the characters are amazing, and it really makes you go, it gives you that escapism of a different world and someone else's drama and not your own drama, but it also makes you think and it's impossible to read that book and not apply something about it to your life. So you get the escapism and you get the knowledge, which what is more self-care than escapism and gaining knowledge for yourself? I mean, come on. Oh, reading is so powerful. A lot of people, too, like reading things like cookbooks. I know if you guys follow Chrissy Teigen, she said something recently online about loving reading cookbooks, and that's really common. And you might be thinking, how the hell do you read a cookbook? It's just recipes. No, no. Take a look at any cookbook and there's always introductions and little snippets between recipes or even stories within every single recipe. Usually it's explaining where the inspiration for these recipes came from, what region of the world, what life experiences, what time of their life, and also, you know, where they actually got the ingredients to actually create these amazing dishes. It's very interesting and there's usually a little bit of biography in every cookbook as well. So take a look at cookbook if you want to both, you know, learn a new skill to gain some cooking recipes, but also to actually read and escape to different worlds where these people lived and learn more about the person who actually created and cultivated these recipes. When you are ready to read this Thanksgiving, my biggest tip is to make sure you're in a good environment. I think you should create space in your day to read almost every day, but even I don't and I'm a huge bookworm. But, you know, obviously everything comes from repetition. So if you want to start reading regularly, find a time in your day where you know that that's a place where you're ready for some relaxation, but you still have enough brain power left to read a book and you realize that it would transition you better 
to read a book than to get on a screen. A lot of people will do this like with working out, like right after work, they just want to get a workout in and then their energy is revitalized. I sometimes feel like that, but often not. <laughs> and sometimes the best way to either start a work day to get your mind moving or end a work day to transition into a more you space and into a world you like is reading. It's a nice transition space to get yourself into another mindset, hence like meditation. But also, especially if you're going to be reading around Thanksgiving and there's a lot of things and family and food happening around you, making sure you have the right environment is key. When I'm at home, it's really just letting my husband know, I'm going to read, please don't interrupt me, just please. Because he loves me and he wants to talk to me and I'm not mad that my husband likes to have conversations with me. But when you're in a world and you're reading, you're in, you don't want to be interrupted. It's, it's honestly worse than interrupting a movie because it's harder to just jump back in because you're creating this visual completely in your mind. You're immersed, not, I don't want to say more than a movie, but just in a different way that requires more of your attention a lot of the times. So you don't want to be interrupted. So Find a cozy spot wherever you're spending Thanksgiving where you can kind of deem, okay, this is where I can read. Maybe a couple spaces, like one's a chair, one's outside, where you know will be a good place to read where you're comfortable. There's not too much foot traffic or you can close a door. Maybe there's a blanket nearby, a place where you know, oh, everyone's going to be here during this time. So I'm going to go to the opposite side of the house. Things like that, you know, find that space so that you can really gain that knowledge and mental growth and meditation, whether it's in your daily life, but especially over Thanksgiving time. If you are having tough conversations, if you're feeling hurt or heated and you're not you know, someone that might meditate and you don't know how to calm down, a lot of times the best way is just to go into a different world and not go in front of a screen. Don't spend the next four days in front of a screen. Spend some time in a book, in a different world, growing your heart, growing your mind, growing your knowledge, maybe your skills, and just kind of escaping into a different world, but in a way that really activates your brain and lets you sit with yourself truly. You really just get to sit with yourself, but think other thoughts, not your own thoughts. <laughs> So pick up a book. Please contact me on Instagram if you want any tips on kind of creating a space to read or you want any book tips. I have so many book tips. You give me the type of book you like, you know, fiction, nonfiction, sci-fi, biography, whatever, love, you know, themes that you like, and I can probably give you some kind of tip. I love everything from horror to super mushy love stories. So hit me up. <laughs> this week, I want to give a huge shout out to one of my recent inspirations. Her name is Tia Wood. She's apparently a super awesome TikTok star, but I found her on some like Facebook scrolling uh, viral situation and then went on to follow her on Instagram because I'm getting to the point where I'm an old enough millennial where I don't spend time on TikTok. So wherever you want to find her, on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever social media, but she usually does post her TikToks on Instagram. Her little uh, name, name, how old am I? <laughs> her handle, her username is T-I-A-M as in 
money, because we all make money. I-S-C-I-H-K. So her name is Tia Wood, but her username or handle is, again, T-I-A-M-I-S-C-I-H-K. And it is, I love following her. If you need something to start off your cultural Thanksgiving week, learn a little history. She is a beautiful, fantastic, I shouldn't have started with beautiful. She is an incredibly intelligent, well-spoken, talented, indigenous woman who really follows all of the traditions. So she has just, oh, the ceremonial garb that she will wear and put on and explain what it is used for in the culture. I mean, it's just fascinating. I've never seen anything like it in color, if I'm completely honest. I haven't really seen the beautiful pieces she wears in anything but black and white photos, which is so heartbreaking, but also just to see her in these beautiful outfits in color and it's just, oh, it's just absolutely stunning. And she, of course, creates entertaining content because she's, you know, on TikTok. But so much of her content really does focus around indigenous people and people of color and the culture that she is still taught. And it's just, it's anything from her, you know, addressing the issues that we've all heard, such as, you know, why it's cultural appropriation and not okay to dress up for Halloween like an indigenous person because obviously it's racist but because you could be wearing some type of ceremonial garb that you don't realize is cherished and is only meant for honor and is sacred and you're just like wearing it getting drunk and it overly sexualizes indigenous women which yeah is Halloween for getting sexy and stuff for some people yes but we're saying don't wear a racist Indian costume and appropriate their culture with over-sexualizing it because women of color and indigenous women are, you know, they are hurt and murdered and raped and attacked and abused and there's so much more violence against indigenous women and women of color than white women and that is a fact. So anyway, she talks about anything from that to more of the traditional ceremonial outfits and she has a stunning voice and she will actually sing traditional indigenous songs or songs she wrote or her father wrote and then there's just beautiful moments as well where like her mother mother will be um doing a tiktok where she's uh, mouth or saying a poem um but then doing her makeup um in traditional indigenous makeup and it's just oh i just i love the culture it's such an easy way there's no better time to learn about a new culture than now you just have to watch them tiktoks <laughs> it's just it's just so simple, so why wouldn't you? So check out Tia Wood. Instagram is where I follow her, or you can check her out where she's most popular on TikTok. And it's just fantastic. So start your Thanksgiving there, learning more about indigenous cultures and how you can support and help them grow your brain with history and knowledge. And then make sure you're taking time for self-care to escape to a comfy little space, whether it's outside or probably inside since most people live in a cold place with a blanket and some tea or coffee, something warm, maybe some hot chocolate, put on your fuzzy socks, get a blanket and create space to read instead of staring in front of a screen. I'm not saying you have to use Thanksgiving as a time 
for productivity because you deserve these four days to relax. You deserve some time off, but at least take the time to do a little self-care and not completely waste it away only being in front of a screen. Sit with yourself for a moment, and if you don't want to sit with yourself so much that you're literally meditating, sit with yourself with a book so that you can grow through someone else's experience or perspective or storytelling, fiction or nonfiction, book or poetry, physical book or Kindle or audiobook. But take that time to be with yourself and grow with your emotions and as a person and with a little bit of escapism this holiday break. And with that, enjoy your holidays off, sending hugs to anyone who can't be with family like me and my family. Lots and lots and lots of hugs. We will get through this. Have an amazing holiday. Remember why this holiday exists. Take time for yourself for some self-care. Take advantage of the days off. And don't forget to keep on leaving your mark.